1: Hello, welcome to the Ghost of Hall. My name's Simon.
0: And I'm McKellen.
1: Thank you for joining us for episode 139 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 65 of A Clash of Kings, Sansa
0: 8. And you know the drill by now, unless it's your first time. We're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully we'll provide you some entertainment along the way.
1: We'll summarize what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some relevant news and listener correspondence. Be sure to check out our show notes. They'll provide you some additional information that will be particularly handy if you're not reading along. And I'm going to skip over the how are you, McKelly?" and go straight into – and we were just talking about this, people who are reading along or not reading along. right? So I have a friend who's become a listener – And he's got to. He said he was on episode ten, and he said he's bought the books. He'd never read the books before, but now, as a result of listening to the first ten episodes, (laughs) he's bought the books and he's
0: going to read them. So, Uh, well, that's. uh...
1: I think George Martin might owe us something.
0: Yeah, it seems um, we're uh, we're generating some business for him now. Of course, your friend is going to get through uh, a Dance with Dragons, and then going to get mad at you for uh, leaving him stranded like the rest of us.
1: You know what? I I like the way that that falls on me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're the influence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If only Simon and McKelly would pull their finger out, George Martin would be finished with that book.
0: I I blame you for me being stuck uh, at the Kingkiller Chronicle because you got me started down that road. And I've been stuck for many years waiting for Rothfuss to finish that. And I fully blame you for it. You know what? In
1: some ways, I, I actually think Rothfuss is more guilty of this than George Martin, because in George Martin's defense, he has created—I mean, if you think of like the book being like the opposite of a funnel, right? It's more like you know, it's a cone; it's just getting broader and yes. broader. To actually write that next book now is so many threads, you know, so complicated at right. that point. Rothfuss had a clear idea of what his three books were going to be from the get-go. Yeah. So he's just noodling. He's just not <laughs> pulling his finger out. You know.
0: you know, the thing is, is you hear about all this stuff that George Martin is up to that is distracting him That's from what writing. George Martin gets into trouble. Yeah. But you don't hear the same thing about Rothfuss. So, you know, what? what's he up to that is preventing him from writing this final book? I, am, I understand he's a family man, you know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I'm a family man,
1: and I hold down a day job
0: (laughs) and a second job. (laughs) I I will say that uh, the the path your friend is taking, where he started listening to us, we were the gateway drug to the full A Song of Ice and Fire, (laughs) is is a similar path that a friend of mine took while we were still uh, doing our shows on a Game of Thrones. And uh, my friend stopped listening because he raced ahead. And uh, made it, you know, He, I don't know where he is in the series now, but he's through a clash of kings. And so he's so far ahead, he has stopped listening to us.
1: Probably muttering about the two of us and why we're to blame for the lack of the sixth book.
0: Or what's taking us so long to catch up. (laughs) (laughs) Today is the uh, first full day of the Ice and Fire Con in Mount Sterling, Ohio. That's what the IAFC means in our show notes Uh there. I thought it was a soccer club or something. <laughs> it could be. I I can see that. I can see your confusion. And uh, so I've been on Twitter watching all the uh the tweets and the pictures people are posting. It looks like a lot of fun, so I really hope we can go next year. That would be that would be super fun. it. Well, I am uh I'm going to the beach at the end of the day. This evening we're it's leaving the, for the beach. It's, it's the thing. It's uh, the it, done thing at this time is. of year. Hopefully the weather will be nice. We're, uh, Seems to be right. We're going uh, free of charge. Friends of ours own a, a house down at the beach, and uh, we're going with them down to their house. So you, get, you can't pass those those opportunities up.
1: <laughs> it's funny how similar we are.
0: Is that how you were there? That that's oh yeah yeah <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely.
0: Well, you know, freeloaders. Uh, you know, we we bond together, and then uh, look for those who uh, have cooler things than we do.
1: So I have a TV recommendation for you. I'm not sure how you get it. I think it, you have to pay for this. Like You can get it through Amazon, but it's a pay kind of thing. Okay. Uh, the, and I think it's a book I've mentioned before on the podcast. Um, the Luminaries. It I was a book think, by Eleanor Catton. I think and maybe you have mentioned t- that. Yeah. It was made into a TV show. Um, while I was at the beach, we watched that from start to finish. And uh, it's very interesting. And it actually, I highly recommend both.
0: So the the four of us
1: that were watching, three of us had read the book and one hadn't. And the three of us put together a crib sheet of characters and things for the fourth (laughs) person. Right. Very complicated what goes on in that show. And the show kind of like, the book is not quite written linearly, but it's not too non-linear. It's basically, it starts at the middle of the story and goes to the end and then fills in what happened before the story started. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. the TV show jumped around in time, so it was terribly confusing. Oh, yes, I can but, see
0: that. Can but
1: see that. really satisfying. Not not perfect. And they, they kind of had to Game of Thrones it at the end because it's a big book. I mean, they had six hours, but it's a big book. And they tried to bring it all together in uh, one kind of like exciting courtroom scene. But really very satisfying TV. All
0: right. Well, should I read the book first?
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's a big book. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I think, I, I believe she was, she, the, it won the Booker Prize, which is, at least if you're British, it's considered the highest prize you can win in literature. Okay. Um, and Eleanor Catton was the youngest ever winner, and it was also the biggest ever book to win it. Oh, so it is a big it is, book. It, oh, it's, <laughs> it's a biblical proportions,
0: this thing. What am I talking about? I haven't, I, I'm reading, um, uh... Oh shoot! What's it called? This is how long it's been since I've gotten a read. Since I've gotten to pick it up, the uh, the Martian author, his latest one, Hail
1: Mary Project. Yes, yes. Um, Project Hail Mary.
0: I'm reading that, and I haven't picked that book up in two weeks because I also uh, have another book that I have to <laughs> have a lot, <laughs> a lot of thought go into. <laughs> so if I tried to read that Luminaries, and it's as big as you say, it, it might be. Three years before I get through it.
1: Uh, spoiler free, where are you in that book?
0: Um, They are at the, the main character is at the new location. Okay. And hanging with. Yes. Yes. This. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was doing a lot of hand gestures behind the scenes here. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily you picked up what I was putting down. Uh I loved that book. Yeah? I really enjoyed it. I'm oh, hoping it God, picks God, back up. It. it was exciting at first. It's hit a bit of a lull, but it could be because I read it so sporadically that it's <laughs> <Yeah>. created a... <laughs> like,
1: three weeks and nothing's <laughs> happened. Yeah, that's only four pages. <laughs> yeah, about that. That's about right, too. All right, let's get down to business. How yes. did we leave Sansa Stark? Last time we saw Sansa, as you probably recall, as they've been coming thick and fast, she was refusing the opportunity to escape King's Landing with the Hound, and learning that Stannis' forces had been routed by Tywin Lannister, Loras Tyrell, and somehow Renly Baratheon. She was also learning that Ser Hollard is a
0: galoot, and not (laughs) I love that word. I saw it in there when I read it. Before even hearing you say it, I was laughing to myself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> he's just he's so hopeless i mean like he like he's so i mean I, I occasionally say daft things and i definitely drink a little bit and then that exacerbates the saying daft things but forgetting whose side i'm on to the person <laughs> i'm trying to rescue all right McKelly, why don't we give the summary of this
0: chapter all right Well, the throne room is packed with lords and ladies in their finest attire, all vying for the best positions to watch today's rather self-congratulatory ceremonies. King Joffrey is easy to spot regardless, sitting high above them on the Iron Throne. However, Sansa has a front row view to it all. Kicking things off, a resplendent Lord Tywin rides through the hall on his warhorse. Dismounting at the base of the throne, he's greeted by his grandson and king.
1: Joff hands governance of the realm over to his grandfather, who solemnly accepts, Until your grace comes of age. After Joff places the hand's chain around his neck, Tywin settles at the small council table. Next comes Mace Tyrell and two of his sons, Sirs Garlan and Loras. In a show of gratitude for their part in the victory over Stannis Baratheon, Joffrey offers them each a favour.
0: Sir Loras asks to be added as a member of the Kingsguard. Joff gladly agrees. Next, Mace requests inclusion on the small council. Again, quick yes. Finally, Sir Garland speaks of his sister Marjorie, her unconsummated marriage to Renly Baratheon, and her love for Joff based on stories of his wisdom, courage, and chivalry. I don't know how he got through that with a straight face. He asks that Joff send for her from Highgarden and wed her. The king, although flattered, rejects the
1: proposal. He's already betrothed, and a king must keep his word. At this, Cersei and the High Septon vocally absolve him of any obligation to Sansa Stark for all to hear, on the grounds of the traitorous actions of her family. His path now cleared, he agrees to the marriage to raucous cheers from those in attendance.
0: Sansa has been warned ahead of time not to show any signs of delight over this news. So, despite being internally elated... She dutifully puts on a sad face. Now with all that out of the way, the show rolls on. Next many are honored for their valiant deeds during the Battle of the Blackwater, starting with lords and knights and ending with free riders and squires. All receive lands, titles, gifts, or all three. Notably, Sir Lancel Lannister is awarded lordship of Castle Derry, although he's too injured present although he's too injured to be present to accept.
1: But the biggest winner of the day is Peter
0: Littlefinger Baelish. He receives not only
1: the title of Lord of Harrenhal. Oh, we have a new boss. (laughs) But also Lord Paramount of the Trident. Sansa is confused, both because she hasn't heard anything he did worthy during the battle, but also because the reward seems worthless. The castle is cursed and the title of Lord Paramount already belongs to her grandfather, Hosta
0: But before she can ponder the move for too long, the next act of the show begins. More than 600 new knights are made, due to the men's achievements in the battle. Once that lengthy process is over, they march in the prisoners of war. Those who change sides when the fighting started are immediately forgiven and retain their titles and lands. Those who fought until the end for Stannis must beg for forgiveness and swear fealty to King Joffrey to keep what they own. Most
1: smartly, go over to Joffrey's side peacefully. However, a few stay committed to Stannis. Two men are particularly vocal in their resistance, shouting down Joffrey as the true king. One man spews so much vitriol that Joff throws a fit and demands he be killed. In his excitement, Joff cuts his own arm on the blades of the Iron Throne and is whisked away by his mother and several maesters. Tywin, who stays cool and collected during the fiasco, finishes the procession of captives.
0: Back in her chamber, Sansa can hardly contain her excitement over being released from her betrothal to Joff. But she knows better than to show it. She screams into her pillow, and then enjoys the best-tasting meal she's had in ages. Afterward, she returns to the godswood to meet with Ser Dantus Hollard. (laughs) I can't get through that with a straight face. (laughs) Now that I've called him a galoot forevermore, (laughs) you'll you'll associate that with...
1: Rather than sharing her excitement, he's morose. You see? He's just always... He's always out of step with her.
0: Yeah. She needs to drink more. That's what it is. Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> he explains that the Lannisters would never let her go. She's too important as a hostage. The only thing that's changed is if Joffrey wants her in his bed now, they'll make bastards instead of true-born children. But not to worry. Joffrey and Marjorie's wedding date is the date chosen for their escape from King's Landing. Sansa feels it's too long of a wait being a month off as Marjorie isn't in King's Landing yet. Right. Dantus begs her to be patient. He then gives her a beautiful silver and black amethyst hairnet. She'd rather have a ship. But he explains it's a magical hairnet. It holds justice and vengeance for her father. It is home. Huh. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Perhaps perhaps she's supposed to put it on Joffrey's head and everyone will laugh at him for wearing a hairnet.
0: Or maybe it's like the ruby slipper. The slippers. Oh. She puts it on her head, clicks her heels three times, and then why not put it on now yes why do you maybe you have to wait to like you know for the full moon or something like that (laughs) can i can i jump
1: in with pedantry because by the time we get to pedantry i'll have forgotten this and i didn't actually write this in pedantry so you know this will get
0: forgotten but please indulge us with pedantry what the heck happened to renly baratheon (laughs) i had that i was gonna ask that same (laughs) thing he (laughs) fought
1: in this battle he doesn't get any mention at all in the awards at the end of it
0: yeah so many men change sides because Renly Baratheon was leading the charge against Stannis.
1: <laughs> Renly changed sides of the veil. He came back from the.
0: <laughs> I guess maybe he could only stay for so long. And right, uh, I guess so. It was, uh, yeah, it's quite the quite the omission. One thing actually, before we go on on that, yeah,
1: didn't who was the person who told us about Renly? Was it Sodontus Hollard? It was. (laughs) Mm -mm. Beginning to see why this was not worthy of mention in the next chapter.
0: (laughs) That is a solid point. (laughs) Might have been a drunken dream. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So, yes, I like it. Uh, So... The chapter starts with a a description of those in attendance, and we get the regulars highlighted in the crowd. Pretty much in every every scene where there's courtly members, it's Giles Rosby, Tanda Stokeworth and her daughters, and Jalabarzo. All pretty much is always around.
1: Who I've got to say, the description of Jalabarzo's outfit makes makes him look like he looks like a chicken. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I just feel like he's like parading around like a pigeon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the description was something about how beautiful and uh, plentiful the, the feathers that he was wearing, that he looked like he was about to take flight. But you know, the thing about Jalavarzo is I've just been waiting for him to make an impact on the story. We've seen, you know, Giles Rosby was involved with the whole Tom and escape from King's Landing plot. And Tanda Stokeworth has had some, you know, uh, some run-ins with this story. But so far, Jalabarzo, he's just—he's been around pretty much every description, every chapter that well, has. Remind court. of what
1: we know of him. He was here to try and get Ro- King Robert to help him regain some territory. Yes, in the he was a
0: prince. He, I, I, he was a, he is a. Um, Exiled prince from the Summer Islands, and he is hoping he was hoping that Sir Robert would help him. I mean, King Robert would help him get his. If King
1: Robert could give him 10,000 gold pieces, then he'd be able to get his money out of the Summer Isles and give him a million.
0: Yes, that's what it is.
1: (laughs) I am an exiled prince from the Summer Isles.
0: Yes, you know, I feel like King Robert now. The amount of times I've been asked by (laughs) (laughs) exiled princes. (laughs) Just a little bit of starter money, but the rewards, the rewards. (laughs) So so now that Joffrey
1: has defeated, I mean, Joffrey, I I say Joffrey has defeated in the biggest air quotes ever. Now that Joffrey has defeated his uncle, uh Uh, Stannis and his other uncle, Renly, has returned to the the Nightlands.
0: Right. Yep. To ride with, uh, with Cal Drogo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And he
1: is free to stop wearing anything that remotely, remotely Baratheon. He is full on Lannister right now. He sure
0: is. There's, you know, the description is like the, his, 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 yeah, the reason we bring these up. when we do is because they're in the description and I think they're there for a reason oh yeah and the description of his attire is crimson samite with a black mantle studded with rubies No, I mean he's got a black mantle but no mention of the black and golds of the Baratheons and even so what he does when the Tyrell trio first arrives he puts a necklace around them that has um, what is it it's like gold roses and then at the base of the gold roses is a ruby lion and he says the the flower supports the the lion as you know you have supported the realm but shouldn't that be a stag he's Redly Baratheon I mean he's, he's uh, Joffrey Baratheon so uh, you raise a good point you know he's not they're not even hiding it anymore like you just said not even trying
1: but one thing is I mean so this this whole scene sort of like represents a return to normalcy or normality, if you will, in uh, the throne room. But of course, this isn't feeding the hungry citizens of, of King's Landing. They're still out there. Now, they're no longer besieged. And so the gates are open. But a lot of damage has been done to the surrounding countryside. But actually, thinking about it. Not that much. because Because I don't think Stannis was doing to the... St- Dormlands and crown lands, what Tywin was doing to the riverlands.
0: Yes. But, <laughs> uh, but the thing about that is, is, you know, for, yes, to your point, yes, this city just rioted very recently when the royals were out in public. So, yes, there's, there's definitely some unrest that is, is not fixed by them winning this war. You wouldn't imagine unless all is forgiven by the Lannisters because they won this war which I'd have to say you know the man who just led who has just proclaimed the savior of the city is the same man who led to the led the destruction of the homeland of many of these refugees in the Riverlands that have flooded King's Landing so you know are they like yay you saved us from the destruction and famine caused by wait a second it was (laughs) you you did that
1: so um tywin's arrived i mean we haven't seen an awful lot of tywin because he's not a pov character and so his this scene is one of the first times we sort of get to see him in his pomp and uh he he seems like a very serious character and definitely seems to change the landscape for king's landing there'll be a lot less plotting against this hand of the king than there's been against the last two
0: exactly uh,
1: at least from the lannisters
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it it felt like his arrival This is like there's an undisputed adult finally in the room in King's Landing. And like you said, no one's going to question him, challenge him, work to try and subvert his rule like Cersei and Tyrion have been doing to one another, which, you know, with him here, it makes the Lannisters feel much more dangerous. Of course, with him here and the Tyrell army, you know, that, (laughs) that doesn't hurt either. Yes.
1: So the Tyrells are represented by Mace Tyrell, who's Lord of Highgarden, uh, Lord Paramount of Manda, Warden of the South, his sons, Sir Garland, and Sir Loras. We've met Sir Loras, but this is the first time we're really getting to meet Sir Garland the, Gall- the Gallant.
0: Yeah, I'll um, say about them real quick. Um, we don't know them very well yet, but they seem to be very good at collecting really cool titles.
1: That Those are pretty pretty <laughs> good titles, right?
0: Uh, there. Sir Loras Tyrell is the Knight of Flowers. Garland, the Gallant, and Mace Tyrell is, you know, Lord Paramount of the Mander, Warden of the South, and Lord of Highgarden. So uh, they definitely have quite the collection there. Yeah. So
1: they they're each offered a favor, and Loras wants to be a member of the King's Guard. This I find a little bit surprising because, uh, because of the three of them. I, I've got to imagine that these three had a conversation when Peter Baelish came to them. I'm assuming Peter Baelish came to them and said, hey, join our side. Things will be great that there was some there was some heartache over this because loras clearly was in bed if you will with <laughs> renly baratheon okay right and was was very much team renly now he blames stannis for renly's murder and so he doesn't he's not team stannis but renly was in open rebellion against joffrey right i've got to think it's a little bit hard for him to say to s- be so keen on Joffrey, that you're prepared to actually give up your entire life and
0: future to be his Kingsguard. Yes, I agree. That bit
1: strikes me as a little odd.
0: Yes, I agree, and on top of that, I, I know Loris has been to King's Landing uh, not all that long ago, but maybe get to know Joff a little bit better before swearing to give your life for his? You know, uh, I'm not sure that... Uh, As he gets to know Joff as King Joffrey, he might be like, yes, I want to give my life for that guy.
1: Yeah. If he was as close a confidant of Renly Baratheon as it appears he was, he would have heard some pretty bad things about Joffrey because Uncle Renly was no fan.
0: Right. He wasn't. Uh, We had early on in the Game of Thrones when we first met Renly uh, at Derry, we were questioning why does he seem... Uh to have beef. Why do those two seem to have beef with one another?
1: It was never explained, but it was certainly there. And, right and, and it wasn't wasn't like it was a, some hidden dark secret. He laughed in his face openly in public.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. That's true. So then Mace Tyrell is actually the next to speak, and he um he wants to be a member of the uh small council, which is quickly agreed upon. Again, questioning the wisdom of this. You
1: live in Highgarden, it's lovely, right?
0: King's Landing
1: is full of starving people smelly dirty why do you want to stay go home
0: yeah that's a good point that's a good point point. and you know i'll also mention that this is not the full this is not the full allotment of tyrell men in this family present here missing from this trio is the oldest son of mace tyrell uh, willis he is actually the heir to highgarden he is He's not a knight, so you know he probably didn't. He didn't fight in the battle, so maybe that's why he's not here. We'll learn more about him, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But he is. But I'll just mention, just to, to fill in any blanks here, there is another son missing from this picture. So
1: Garland's request is that he wants uh, Marjorie to marry Joffrey, and Renly went to war before their marriage was consummated. Did he?
0: go to war before there was opportunity to consummate that marriage that's not the same thing exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it seemed like plenty of opportunity when we saw them through cat's pov they were just kind of hanging out on making their uh meandering their way toward king's landing seemed like plenty of opportunity there so i mean
1: you know that the tv show made it clear why this was you know that yes. he he was in love with a different tyrell Loris, in particular, um, whereas with the the book never said that. There, were, there are some clues to it, but the books never actually said it. But uh, true. But yes, it see, it seems that it's definitely possible that the marriage wasn't consummated, and therefore she's still chaste and ready for marrying the king.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so.
1: I'd imagine she would want to.
0: <laughs> Why there would she want to? That is a good question, uh, and you know. I'll say this for the Tyrells. They didn't waste uh, this opportunity. They jumped right in with both feet. Kingsguard, Small Council, Queen. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, it, yeah, yeah. They're, they they were offered an alliance. They're fully committing to it here. I guess uh, sure. they figure might as well get into a position of strength uh, yeah. as quickly as possible. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Um,
1: Garland talks about the fact that Marjorie has heard the tales of the wisdom, courage, chivalry of the king. Um and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but has but been told to pretend she hasn't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh yes, she loves him from <laughs> the, afar. I would could keep it that way. <laughs> I,
1: I can't remember uh, the actor who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones, but he does a great job in that Gleason, scene.
0: something Gleason. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. And I always, I always think of him very fondly because you know, I, I, I don't know if this is still true, but he, he wanted to retire from acting after this because he just found the whole thing of being Joffrey such a horrible experience. Oh, you know?
0: yeah, that's a I can imagine. Yeah, but. But
1: he does an excellent job. When when he's hearing that, he's, like, glancing around like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I bet she has. <laughs> he must... and, and the fact that he's done absolutely nothing to justify these pretend tales just doesn't enter his head at all. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, is she going to be disappointed when she gets out? Yeah. town? <laughs> Oh man, he, yeah, but even in the you know even in the book here he does he puts on a good show. Apparently, the character is as deft an actor as the right. actor who portrays <laughs> yes. it because yes. he puts on a good show about. Oh wow, I did not see that coming. I'm so flattered, but no, I couldn't. I'm betrothed already, and as a king, I must keep my
1: word. But he's so the small council. First, give him permission, but he still maintains; he still fights the fight. No, no, but the gods have said, you know, the promises made in front of the gods. So then the High Septon comes in, the whole thing <laughs> being stage managed, and he says, "No, because the Starks were unfaithful. That means that any promises to them are no longer binding." So,
0: yeah, boy, I tell you, they sure heap some dirt on the Starks' name here. Drag em, basically, just the the Starks are trash. You know, you're fine, don't even worry about it, just go ahead and marry someone else. But, you know, like we've said multiple times on, you know, throughout this, the history is written by the victor, and right now the uh, Lannisters are uh, sitting the Iron Throne, so they can write it how they want.
1: They're the victor south of the Riverlands, they're not yet the victor north of the Riverlands. True. Their homelands are being ravaged by uh, Robb still, so...
0: Very true, very true. And of course, you know, from a surface level, of course it's understandable why Cersei says these things about the Starks. First of all, she has a vested interest in painting her family in the best light possible and in so doing, trashing the their opponents, the Starks. But even though, you know, the High Septon piles on, he says something along the lines of, you know, before the Starks revealed their falseness and something about their crimes against the realm... But, of course, we learned in a Tyrion chapter a few chapters ago that this High Septon, because the previous High Septon died in the riot, this High Septon was elevated to High Septon by the Lannisters, and he was actually a pick of Tyrions. So it, is, it makes a little more sense. Yes, why, he,
1: <laughs> why why he knows that the gods are approving what the Lannisters want to do.
0: Yes. Yes. Exactly.
1: And <laughs> um, the queen, uh, j- just to show how spontaneous this whole conversation was, the queen warns Sansa in advance not to be, not to show any positive reaction to right. the end of her betrothal. Uh,
0: she loves that planned out spontaneity.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. God bless Sansa. She managed to I think I think what I would have done if I was Sansa was go the whole hog of like sort of like have my knees buckle and <laughs> <it> crash to <laughs> right. the floor as if I'm crushed by the news, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, that's what it is. I got to say this whole this whole chapter is just so galling how Joff and Tywin like literally Joff calls Tywin the savior of the city and you know the two of them basically take all the credit for winning this war. Tyrion put in all the work and effort to put the city in a position to win the war. True, true.
1: In fact, yeah, I mean I mean they certainly deserve some credit because Tyrion alone would have lost, you know. But Yes, right. Had, had it not been for Tyrion's preparations, the city might have been lost before uh the Tyrells and Tywin and Renly <laughs> arrived to save the day.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Unless they were waiting for for like we talked about uh, last Sansa chapter, I guess, and unless they were waiting for Stannis to split his forces, some on the northern bank, some on the southern bank, if they really did get there right at the eleventh uh, um, hour, then yes, had it not been for, and even if even if they had showed up, st- if it hadn't been for the wildfire plot, Stannis would have still had this enormous navy at his disposal and you know thousands of more men. So, right. Anyway, so speaking of the navy, Paxter Redwine and his sons, as Sansa puts it, "Horror and Slobber," are honored next after the the Tyrells are done. And I gotta say, uh, I gotta say, Horace Redwine has had a a bit of a rough go compared to his brother Haber. It the, the you know Sansa notices that Horace is limping from a wound he took in the battle. Haber seems to be all right, and Horace had to ra- remain behind in. The red keep as the hostage, while Hobber got to go prancing off with Littlefinger back home. But but that poses a question for me. So, who wounded him?
1: Which side? Because if you're being held hostage by someone and then you're marched out to fight for them,
0: yes, it's I know. Possible you might. <laughs> well, uh, was, yes. When I first read this, I thought I had it backward. I thought, oh, Horace was the one that went. I thought it must have been it must have been Horace that went with Littlefinger because then it would make sense for him to be out in the battlefield fighting, but I guess knowing that
1: his brother and brother was gonna be fighting on the other side uh, fighting for his side, he wouldn't switch sides, I guess,
0: yeah, yes, right. so they let him out like so the the Lannisters just like let him out to fight, but they wouldn't have the Lannisters in the red keep would not have known. Uh. Oh, very good point that the the red wines are per- even out there
1: perhaps what happened is they said look you're going to let you out of the cell but we can't trust you because obviously you know you're still a hostage to make sure the red wines so we're just going to stick a sword through your calf <laughs> 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 that's,
0: that's what ridiculous. it was
1: <laughs> come on put me back in the cell
0: <laughs> they went a little vargo Hote on to cut his left foot off
1: <laughs> yeah that's that is pretty rough on old uh, horror
0: <laughs> it's been quite a horror for him so far. Thinking about it, though,
1: you know, honestly, being trapped in the Red Keep, I mean, the Red Keep, there were some privations, but they were still eating pretty healthily there, right? His brother had to ride across the continent on a horse. Now, that level of freedom would come with sort of like quite a sore bottom. You know?
0: <laughs> Possibly, I'm, <yes>. not sure.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure how long I would have lasted. I think I might have turned back after a day and said, no,
0: keep yeah. me. <laughs> Good point. I could see. Yeah, sure. So the small council has um, expanded a little bit. We were down at one point uh, after uh, Littlefinger wrote out. We were down to the small council consisting of Cersei, Varys, and Tyrion, by yep. my count. Yeah. And now uh, we've seen in this chapter, Sir Ty or uh, Lord Tywin is sitting there. It's mentioned that. Uh, His brother, Kevin Lannister, is seated next to him, so you would assume he's also joined the small council. And Mace Tyrell asks and is granted a spot on the small council, and now Littlefinger has returned. So they've expanded. There's still plenty of spots left, but they were getting down to pretty much bare bones there at one point. Basically just two Lannisters staring at Varys.
1: Yep. So it was a series of new lords. We've got Lancel as uh, Lord of Castle Derry because the last actual Derry died, right? There's no more. Yeah. Derry
0: well, the last male Derry, Lyman, the son um, of Raymond Derry, died in uh, the fighting in the Riverlands. There are two female. He's got two aunts. Like, I, I think it was just last chapter, the Arya chapter, I mentioned his aunt Mariah Derry is the mother of. Roose Bolton's new wife.
1: That's right, you did mention that. I remember it well.
0: But um he might want to check out his new abode before he agrees to this particular plan.
1: Because Roos Bolton has told them to go and beat it to snap. To, yes. To, yes,
0: to burn the castle. So uh yeah, he might wanna might want to go check go go at least do a walkthrough before he signs off. But of course he can't. Right, the moment because he's too injured to even show up to the ceremony.
1: But actually, just one other thing: it would be politically prudent of Lancel to marry one of those two aunts, I would think.
0: Yeah, well, one's married to a fray. I can't remember about the other one off the top of my head. But... Okay, um,
1: the Freys of the enemy now can annul that wedding. <laughs> True. Yeah, <laughs> but she must be um, she must be a generation older, right? Because she's the mother of Roose's wife.
0: Yes, so, it's Walda's mother, so yeah, she might be. But hey, uh, Tyrek Lannister was married to uh, baby Ermistad, who's a toddler, so...
1: And Littlefinger is the new Lord of Harrenhal and Lord Paramount of the Trident. Yeah. So he definitely got uh, significant rewards for this. I mean, if if he brokered this deal to bring the uh, Tyrells in, then, you know, he really does deserve some reward, because that's a make-or-break point for this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It It seems clearly... The end result was what he set out to do. It's not clear yet what role he played in it. We have, we did see those banners of, I think it was House Rowan and House Oakheart, north of the Mander, which suggests now, we wondered why before they were, you know, what they were out there doing, but we now know that clearly they were sent to meet with Tywin, but was that independent of Littlefinger's proposal, or was it because of Littlefinger's proposal of the Alliance?
1: is is it a good reward i mean it seems that harrenhal really is cursed i mean uh, we're on to our fourth lord of harrenhal in the book um it's still vast holdings which make you wealthy he doesn't have to ever have to go there in the same way that rose right. tyrell is now going to be on the king's the small council but lord of highgarden he could be lord of harrenhal in absentia and just have the check sent to him every month you know
0: well that's true uh- Clearly, he has the self-confidence to to believe I'm the one that can control this castle. I mean, the the Wents held it for a while, but yes, it's been through so many hands. But uh, maybe he's just really into flipping real estate. You know, he's going to go in, hang, you know, do, put in new hardwood floors and, uh, you know, change out the bathrooms and then sell it for a much higher price than what he uh, paid for it. But as far as, so Sansa's totally confused by why he would even want Hall, but she's also confused by the naming of him as Lord Paramount of the Trident because on two levels, one, the position is currently held by her grandfather, and two, the Tyrells, I mean, the uh, Lannisters don't hold Hall, and they don't really have a foothold in the right, uh, but Riverlands either. She so.
1: must know that the Lannisters are sort of at war with her family. And so... <laughs> Yes. The replacing of her family with new people, even before those family, even before her family had been informed of the fact they've been stripped of their titles, is not that surprising, surely.
0: Right. Yes, that's very true. And you wonder, is he still holding resentment toward the Tullys for. The treatment they showed him after his duel with Brandon Stark, when Hoster had him booted out and and sent back to the Fingers. But then, wouldn't he hold out for Riverrun? Right he he could have asked for that. That's that was kind of what I was asking. Like, is this reward sufficient? Why is he asking for this uh, old rundown castle in a war torn region that's huge and hard to maintain and thought to be cursed? Yes, I mean, while they're giving away these titles that they really can't officially give away because there's still people that are in those roles. Right. Might as well make him lord of
1: Maybe he's trying to sort of like go up this real estate ladder. From Harrenhal's Hall's a good step.
0: Yes, that was my other question. Does he have a bigger plan? Start with Harrenhal, Hall, move to somewhere else or some bigger title. So, but maybe could this the could this all be a plan to get revenge for the treatment that he was uh, shown after his, you know, by the hands of the Tullys. So that was my point there.
1: Uh, Philip Foot from the Westlands is now the new Lord of Night Song, which is in the Stormlands or Dornish Marches. Um, he killed Bryce Caron in single combat. And so he was given the titles and Lands of House Caron.
0: Yeah. Now we we know Bryce Karen a little bit because he was Bryce the Orange of Renly's Rainbow Guard, but he did go over to Stannis after yeah. what we thought was <laughs> Renly's death.
1: Because because you've got the <laughs> member of the Rainbow Guard called Bryce the Orange, it feels like they each had a color, but of course they actually wore rainbow cloaks, right? They 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 weren't a rainbow between them; they were each rainbows, right?
0: But the the, the final guy, he's technically not a uh, lord i you know we we mentioned uh, there were some new lords but luther Brun, luther brune whose his house, his family's from the crown lands is given a castle to be named later in the riverlands after the fighting is done and um uh, so what he did was he killed or at least so he claims 50 fossaway men at arms captured John Fossaway of the Green Apple Fossaways, and killed Sirs Brian and Edward of the Red Apple Fossaways. I gotta say, that is one heck of an accomplishment. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook, or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash You can find the link in our show notes.
1: There's a scene in Black Adder where he misses an entire battle. And then he's asked who he killed in the battle. And uh, basically he says, well, who don't you have accounted for yet? And so they start reeling off a list. He said, yes, that one, that one, that one. (laughs) And it finishes with, (laughs) (laughs) it finishes with, and the Bishop of Bath and Wells. And he says, we'll never walk again. And he said, will conduct the Thanksgiving ceremony.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened with John Fossaway. He was like, John Fos. yes, him too, is captive. Oh, I mean, I took him captive. I did it. But uh, anyway, he's technically not a lord. He's been raised to a landed knight. He's been knighted. Maybe
1: the castle to be named in the Riverlands is Riverrun, <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: Yes, that's that. That's uh, that's where they're going with that. Now I'll say about this plan here, about these new lords and where they've positioned them. It's kind of smart what the Lannisters are doing. They're rewarding these loyalists with lands and areas that have recently rebelled, which strengthens the hold on that region. On that region, uh, you know, we gave so we gave they gave Derry. To Lancel, Harrenhal to Littlefinger, and uh, Lothar Brune is also getting a a house or a a, um, a castle at some point in the Riverlands. So three new lords that are loyal to them in the Riverlands, and then Philip Foote is uh, you know taking over uh, Night Song, which is in the Stormlands, where you know the B- Stannis Baratheon uh, has a bit of a foothold anyway. So, you know, kind of lessens the chance of, of further rising up against them if you put your people in place. I also
1: think that there's another aspect to it, which is these things need to be won. They're not won yet. And so by giving them to people who are willing to fight for you, you're basically recruiting them to keep fighting for you.
0: Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, they yeah. want their castle.
1: You're lord of that castle in the river. Well, in, in <laughs> go get it. <laughs> and then start sending us taxes. So Tyrion doesn't get a mention, but Sansa has heard that he's dying from the terrible cut to the head that he sustained in the battle. So, well, I mean, from last we saw Tyrion, this is good Good news, news. at least for Tyrion, um, because he could well have been dead. So dying is better than death.
0: Right. Good news, bad news situation there, I guess. Yes. But how does he not get a mention? Lancel wasn't present to receive his gratitudes and platitudes. So why... Why couldn't they have at least said, and hey, Tyrion did a great job too? Well,
1: I think the answer to that is quite clear, Michele. I'm <laughs> surprised you've forgotten. <laughs> because he rubbed everybody who's dishing out these gifts the wrong way. True. Yeah. That's yep, true. the problem. Yeah. Pure and simple. And, and I'm guessing that at least one of the people dishing out the gifts tried to have him murdered during the
0: <laughs> <laughs> What One of multiple options in this room. Right possibly tried to have him killed. (laughs) I think of the people we named, three of them, possibly four of them are in this room right now. (laughs) But so my question, I guess, then is what happens to Tyrion if he survives? You know, Tywin's taken the job that he so much enjoyed holding. Remember that night when he was laying there in Shay's bed and he was thinking about, how he's got the job and the power that he loves and the woman that he loves and that everything's coming up roses for Tyrion right now and things have taken a bit of a turn. But that job is now gone and the power possibly gone as well. He is
1: still heir to Castle Rock, right?
0: Theoretically, I guess. I mean, Jamie's taken you know, Jaime's, you know, taken a vow. Even if he gets out, yeah, he's still a King's Guard. So theoretically. Now, yeah. whether tywin sees it that way or not is yet to be determined but right true enough yeah he you know that like i said there's there's still spots on the small council to be filled they could give him a spot on the small council certainly i suspect
1: he's on the outs that's not gonna happen he might be he might be given the drains yeah i was landing, just gonna <laughs> say that <laughs> nothing more than that
0: so uh, so some other people get knighted that aren't uh Or some other people get rewarded and um, applauded for their efforts that aren't being made into uh, lords. And those are three uh, captains of three of the king's warships were honored for basically just surviving. Because (laughs) uh, it was around like 45 to 50 warships in their fleet before the battle and they're down to three. So I guess it makes sense. Those three survived. They did some, either they did something right or they were the ones that were like, we're going to be way upstream guarding in case, (laughs) in case they try and come from that direction.
1: In defense of these three, they volunteered for, operation certain death (laughs) yeah we want you to go out there be hugely outnumbered and then once once they've engaged with you and are killing you we'll throw wildfire at
0: you (laughs) you guys in all right let's do it (laughs) but on top of that more than 600 knights are made um you know from the accomplishments of the men in the battle here which uh according to Sansa it takes a really long time to go through because they've only they're all being dubbed knights by the three Kingsgarden. There's only three present.
1: Do they get the swords on the shoulder? Is that the sort of typical
0: Yeah I guess so something like that. I think what they should do is you should do it like a conga
1: line. <laughs> Each one puts a <laughs> You can do it in one fell swoop.
0: <laughs> Just, like oh, like dominoes. <laughs> Everyone lay down <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? What struck me when I read that part is there's still been no mention of Braun. no sign of him. Oh yeah, the last
1: he could be one of these Sansa wouldn't even
0: recognize. Well, that's fellow, true. Would. Yes, he very well could be one. Of he, he very well could. But the last we heard of Braun doing anything in this battle was was him driving the oxen that raised the boom chain.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And. I've you know, I'm just wondering where he was when Tyrion rode out to defend the King's Gate. You, you, all props to Pod. You know, Pod did did the best he could. And hey, it's, it's, it seems very likely he is the one that saved Tyrion from...
1: He certainly saved him from immediate death, yes. if not from death.
0: But if I have my choice, I'd probably prefer Brawn be my personal protector during that battle.
1: It's a very good question, actually. I mean, if I was Tyrion, I would say, hey, stick by me while I go out and fight. Because Bran's a real fighter. Right. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, that's strange. I wonder if he's riding that oxen like as fast as he can out of there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I've had this enough of This does not look like it's going well. <laughs> Come on, Daisy. <laughs> so then once they get through all the... All the uh, accolades and uh, rewards for things that people did well on the Lannister side. Now they trot out the prisoners of war, one of which is Lord Estermont, which is kind of an interesting situation, I think, because... Why so? Because Lord Estermont, depending on which version you accept, there's different versions of who he is in the various appendices of of the books... He is either Joffrey's great-grandfather on his father's side, Cassanna Estermont's dad, who is the Baratheon boys, uh, Robert, Stannis, and Renly's mom, which would make him, which would make Lord Estermont Joffrey's grandfather, theoretically, or great-grandfather, I mean, theoretically. You follow me? I was following, yeah. Joffrey believes that Robert is his father, Yes, yes. I mean, obviously, buying into that yes. fiction. Yes. Lord Estermont is Robert's grandfather, which would make him. But but also, of course, Stannis's yes, grandfather exactly, and father too. And and, and he sided. So I'll get to that in a second. But the other option is that uh, he could be one of the. I can't remember which of the appendixes says that it is that Lord Estermont is actually Casana's brother, which would make him Joff's great. Uncle. And Stannis' uncle. Stannis' uncle, yes. So either way, he is family. As far as Joffrey believes, because we believe that Joffrey doesn't believe that he is a uh, product of incest. He thinks Robert was his true father. So he would believe that this is family here. And this Lord Estermont originally sided with Renly, then changed his allegiance to Stannis. And... You you know so he seems to have no faith in Joff or believes that Joff was born of incest. So, right? Does Joff have a soft spot for his family here or not? So what befalls him? I've forgotten. Nothing. That doesn't say anything. So you assume he must have oh. uh, bent the knee to Joffrey. But, ah, oh, yeah. But I wonder, does he? You know, does he think, well, you were my uncle slash grandf- great-grandfather, or th- great-uncle slash great-grandfather, whatever you were, uh, you know, and you didn't back me and uh, carry out something against him? Or, or does he have a soft spot for him? I don't know.
1: So um, the lords that continue to fight have to beg for forgiveness. And you know Joffrey's going to like that, begging for forgiveness. <laughs> he <Malachi>. sure will. <laughs> it's like catnip for him. Yeah, yeah. Two knights, one of whom is definitely a Florent, the other one might also be a Florent. Refuse to bend the knee. They praise Stannis and their Lord Railor. This outburst catches Lannisters off guard because I think they thought everyone was going to capitulate. I would.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think they could possibly be aware of just how loyal uh, Queen Cilise Florence men are. You know, they around. Uh, Davis, we've heard Kingsmen king's men and Queensmen men be referred to, and the queen's men are the ones that are really fervent believers of R'hllor. I don't imagine they could have guessed just how uh, loyal these men are, especially to R'hllor. So uh, I bet that caught them a little bit b- off uh, by surprise. Yeah, true that.
1: And it makes Joffrey throw a tantrum, and in, the, in so doing, calling for their heads like the Queen of Hearts in (laughs) Alice in Wonderland, he manages to cut his own arm kind of nastily on his own throne. Right. Which is, uh, again, it's a silly idea. If you're gonna make a th- throne out of swords and get a dragon to melt all the swords. Melt the shot. I know
0: at least <laughs> at least dull the edges a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not a great look for him uh in front of his What what is McKelly? What <laughs> that's is that's true? Yeah, is there anyone? Head <laughs> on a
1: spike. That's a great look for Jeffrey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's good that his new fiancé was not here to see his wisdom, courage, and chivalry. In this instance. Cersei,
1: <laughs> so of course, runs to him because she still babies him. Um, Tywin, on the other hand, is a, still a stone. Uh, and with one motion, he calls for the men's death, who refused to bend the knee, as you'd expect.
0: Yep. Like I said, the example of the adult in the room. Total command. No panic. Full poker face. You know, it, it starts at the top. The boss stays calm. Everyone else is more likely to stay calm and he uh he showed why he is the patriarch of the family
1: yeah so then we have another meeting between Sansa and Dantas in the godswood Sansa is cock a hoop that she is no longer betrothed to uh, Joffrey of all the things that can happen to anyone in the world being unbetrothed to Joffrey Baratheon is pretty much a high point for anyone yes
0: I think think so yeah
1: Dantas on the other hand is somber Sober? Oh, is that sober? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cheat gag. Uh, he explains that nothing's changed. She's not free. Joffrey can still drag her to his bed if he wants. And, but if she has children from that, they will be bastards now, not princes and princesses of the realm. But that can hardly be the top of her concerns at this point, I would feel.
0: Right. Yeah, he paints a kind of dire picture here. He's trying to, to really tamp down her excitement but i don't know personally i find it kind of hard to believe that tywin would tolerate joff doing the things he's been doing to sansa I,
1: I, well that's true
0: yeah i mean i mean he wouldn't have
1: tolerated it had she been his betrothed right. and now she isn't his betrothed he's going to tell him to forget about her you know but of course tywin will be much more strategic about the fact he's got a stark
0: you know right yes but you know i will say about joff I rarely come to Joff's defense. Uh, I think this might be a first. <laughs> we've seen Joff do horrible, cruel things to pretty much everyone, but especially Sansa. But one thing we haven't seen from him is sexual impulses. So, yes. you know, no yes. attempts to force himself on her. He's not had her sexually abused by anyone else. The closest thing we've seen is when he had her stripped, but then, you know, Tyrion stopped it. And I've I personally think that was as much about her humiliation than him yeah, having yeah, a sexual yeah. urge to see her naked. So my point of all that is, you know, Dante says he could still have you in his bed if he wants. I don't know that that's, of course, it's, it could be a concern. Joff's a monster. But I just don't know that yeah. it fits with what we've yeah. seen so far.
1: Yeah, she's probably more. You're absolutely right. She's probably more in danger from him wanting to commit violence to her. But a, it's less likely now because she's not going to be in his mind as much, and b, Tywin won't allow it because she's such a valuable prisoner.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: So Dantas says that you know they're going to escape that she's he's going to affect the escape on the wedding night of Joffrey and Marjorie. Marjorie is not in King's Landing. She's got to get there for the wedding. So it's at least another month. It seems like it's not a terrible time to do it because there will be plenty of distractions there. There will be revelry and the city will be a buzz. You yep. would assume
0: plenty of strangers. So, is his part of his argument. Right.
1: So um, hopefully this can work out. We'll have to see.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure it has to be quite such a long wait. I mean, do you- think there's plenty of opportunity between now and then to escape unnoticed especially now that marjorie tyrell will be entering the picture you know everyone's got things going on cersei's possibly involved in wedding planning Tyrion, maybe dead maybe dying regard at the very least facing a long recovery tywin busy fixing the damage in the you know, the city... Tywin, Tywin's too calculating. Yes. He's going to say,
1: all right, job one, lock that door. Yes, he goes nowhere.
0: And... Uh, yeah, I was going to say that same thing. He he is the concern because um, on one hand, there, there's could be good, you know, stopping Joff from torturing or tormenting her. I, I could see possibly him doing it. On the other hand, could be bad, his arrival for her. His arrival for her could be bad. You know, he's cold, calculating... Will use her to the best advantage possible, no matter what that might be.
1: Right, but probably that will be captive but safe.
0: Yes, but of course, if it if if it needed to come to harm for her, I, he would not hesitate. Hesitate, yeah. absolutely. Tyrion might have hesitated. Cersei probably not so much hesitated, but uh, I don't think Ty- Tywin will do whatever suits them best with Sansa right for sure for sure so um Danza's gives
1: her this beautiful hairnet um and he says it's justice you hold and vengeance for your father uh, I don't see how a hairnet can affect justice but again what am I to know I'm not a drunken fool always
0: <laughs> It is quite the ominous statement not not you not being a drunken fool i the, the hairnet thing being justice and vengeance <laughs> do you have some background for us Michele I did gather a little together. So, uh, like we talked about, um, when Joff throws a fit about the knight disparaging him and cuts his arm during his tantrum, the knight says that it's the throne denying him as the true king. And then Uh, on her way back to her chamber, Sansa thinks that the Iron Throne can be, uh, as she puts it, perilous cruel to those not meant to sit it. And there are several examples of this throughout the nearly 300 years of the throne's history. During the Dance of the Dragons, when Queen Rhaenyra Targaryen first took King's Landing from her half-brother King Aegon II, she sat the Iron Throne for the first time. But afterward, she was seen to have cuts on her legs and on her left hand. To some, it was a sign that she was not her father's true heir. Speaking of her and Aegon II's father, uh, King Viserys I actually lost a couple of fingers to the throne. Now, he just stumbled while on the throne and uh, cut his left hand to the bone and ended up having to lose some fingers because of it. So uh wasn't necessarily a referendum on his abilities, but just showing you, the throne is dangerous. But the Mad King Ares uh, II also had issues with the Iron Throne seemingly fighting him frequently. In fact, the throne cut him so often that his uh, less nefarious nickname, not the Mad King, was King Scab because he always had wounds in various stages of healing due to his run-ins with the throne. But wounds aren't the worst of the concerns a king or queen faces when sitting the Iron Throne. The most extreme example of throne-related calamities involves King Magor Targaryen. He was actually found dead on the Iron Throne. His arms were slashed open from wrist to elbow, and one of the throne's blades went through the back of his neck and came out below his chin. To this day, no one's sure if it was foul play staged to look like the throne, or if the Iron Throne itself did the deed. So ultimately, even in death king Magor was misunderstood (laughs) i knew i I was gonna work it in there somewhere you
1: know you know i'm gonna say actually um mad king Ares the second you gotta feel for Ares the first because he was in life he was known as king Ares, but because of his his subsequent namesake right he's thought of as mad king Ares the first (laughs) because hey i wasn't mad i wasn't mad i was just king Ares. (laughs) Compared with the television show, the throne room scene is entirely reproduced, even down to the horse pooping, which we didn't mention, but the horse poops, uh-huh. and that happened in the TV show too. <laughs> um, Tywin is made hand. Baelish gets Harrenhal. Um The Tyrells are represented simply by Loras and Marjorie. She's there. Um, oh, okay. And uh, so Loras is the one who sort of makes the case for her. She's still innocent. Uh, her dress was not. <laughs> <brilliant>. <laughs> At one point, she says something like, You can see my heart. I was like, You almost can. <laughs> and also, it's that's what's her name? Natalie Dorner, Dormer or something is the actress who plays Marjorie. She, yeah, something like uh, she that. She has a very sultry voice, and you can see sort of Joffrey's getting hot under the collar <laughs> as she's talking. So.
0: <laughs> I can't really blame him if I'm being honest.
1: So, Loris does not ask to be a member of the Kingsguard. The only thing that they want is Marjorie to be queen. Um no High Septon. Maester Pycelle says that he's consulted with the High Septon and says oh, the same lines. Okay, uh, Baelish makes the same joke in the TV show as he made in the book about, um, because he's given Hall for him and his sons and grandsons forever, kind of thing. And he said, I better go about making some sons. Okay. He gets then,
0: chuckles throughout the. Chorus.
1: Exactly. Of course. Then. When it comes to Sansa, when she, Sansa leaves as quickly as she can, and as she's leaving, she can't help but break out into a big smile.
0: She ah.
1: kept a straight face while it was all going on, right. but Peter Baelish intercepts her, and hot on the heels of him saying this about having sons, his conversation with her is creepy because yeah. it's Baelish talking to Sansa. It's always creepy. It is, um, but it's—I mean—it's just what you'd expect. You know, he sort of like talks about how fond he was of her mother and all that kind of thing. And right, makes her skin crawl. Sansa does not meet with Sedontus at this point. I believe he she will eventually get that gift from him, but
0: not at this point.
1: Pedantry, not, nothing really, apart from Renly. What happened to Renly? It's weird. Yes.
0: <laughs> it is. No mention of him. Yeah.
1: Perhaps Sedontis, uh, miss. Uh, he thought that Tyrion was Renly because he was riding on two... You know...
0: <laughs> right, yes. It's long, doing the old high uh, ho silver <laughs> <Exactly>. move. <laughs> News and notes, what do you got for us? Uh, so, George Martin uh, has a cruel sense of humor. His most recent Not A Blog post, which is the name of his blog, has this heading, The Winds of June. hmm Uh-huh. Which got many people excited, as we've been waiting more than a decade for winds news. But no, he wasn't talking about the winds of winter rather he was talking about dark winds the tv show he's an executive producer on along with robert redford and a few others it premieres june 12th on amc and amc plus i i will say i did watch the trailer since he you know it was shared there and um it does look pretty good but uh, you know maybe someday he'll share news of the other winds that we are much more interested in hearing about
1: next week so this is i'm right in saying this next week we're having a guest help us write the summary part of our podcast Is that's that right?
0: right we've got uh we've got a treat in store for us i guess you'd say that's going to be great yes we'll uh i've already seen it it's you finished it. It's i i saw it it looks good stuff so uh yeah we'll uh next week we'll have a guest summary a, a, a summary written by one right. Our... We're still
1: going to be doing the reading. Yes. Oh, but, 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 right. it is okay, good.
0: Right. Written by on. one of our most favorite favorite listeners of them all. Yes. Um,
1: we have a review for, from Kindromeda on Podchaser.com. After almost a year of listening while driving a supply van across my state for work, I finally managed to catch up on every episode. And wow, do I not regret it. This has to be one of the best discussion podcasts out there. The two leads are wonderful together and have some amazing banter you could only get from longtime friends. And we consider you all
0: long-time friends. That's right. We've been doing this almost two years now.
1: I especially appreciate the theory crafting they do, making sure to only use the information the reader would have at this point, even if it's clear they know the whole series already. Eh, clear in McKelly's case. <laughs> it's extremely refreshing to listen to. I highly recommend to anyone with even a passing interest in A Song of Ice of Fire and eagerly await more. S&M equals good podcast. Well, thank you, Kendromeda. That's really
0: nice of you. Thank you so very much. That was... I put a big smile on my face when I, read. I actually read it to Stacy. <laughs> she happened to be in the room, and I was like, Get a hold of this. Good stuff.
1: And how did she react?
0: She was like, Oh, good, cool. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. That's, that's all we expect. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, by the way, we've been doing this more than two years. I said almost two years. We've been doing this two and a half years now.
1: Have we really? We have.
0: I, I started to say more than two years, and I was like, That can't possibly be right, but it is. We started in October of 19. And we are in uh, April of 22. Wow,
1: two and a half years.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you, Kendromeda. Anyway, I didn't mean to get yeah. off topic. I just realized I said that incorrectly. So thank you very much. So um,
1: lots of uh, good news for various uh, Lannister lackeys. And uh, with the one notable exception of Tyrion Lannister. Yes. Who did all he could for the cause, but gets nothing for us. Yeah, for even Lancel
0: got, uh, got a shout out and got some rewards for it. I honestly I think uh like you said, I think Tywin's horse had the right of it. It's a bunch of cra- horse. <laughs> a bunch of horse this, crap. <laughs> this
1: is horse crap. <laughs> uh so we don't know what's gonna happen to Tyrion if he if he does pull through. Tywin's back in power and uh I can't imagine anyone I can't imagine he wants to be around Cersei anymore. I mean, clearly he's
0: going to suspect that she was his assassin. You would think. Yeah, she'd definitely be right up there near the top of the culprits. But, you know, going in, he knew that it was he knew the position was temporary, but he fell in love with the power of the position. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, we all knew that it was likely not a permanent situation. I guess maybe, you know, he kind of thought maybe it would be.
1: Maybe he'd go tour the world with Shay. Right. You know? Yeah.
0: Got that Lannister gold.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so the Tyrells are diving headfirst into this alliance. Sure Here are. They are uh, which I mean, hey, they they they've they put a lot of skin in the game. They deserve their rewards. Um, not sure the rewards I would have chosen. It was just new titles and being a Kingsguard, which is a lifetime appointment to be a bodyguard. And Marjorie has to marry Joffrey. It's uh,
0: <laughs> yes. none of those things i would choose now yeah. <laughs> you put it that way <laughs> yeah. i believe the line was any boon you wish of me right. this is what you choose <laughs> 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 yeah right you you put it very uh well there
1: <laughs> but good news for sansa she's off the hook for marion joffrey which has got to be i mean which was always daft but well, it still isn't that daft, because it still could re-cement the alliance of the Seven Kingdoms if they could somehow convince the North that this was legitimate.
0: But yeah, do they ever will. Right, yeah. And so this is the last Sansa chapter of the book, and unlike Arya's final chapter, not much happens for Sansa herself in this one she's pretty much just a spectator of the aftermath of the battle watching the lannisters congratulate themselves but uh and she did get relieved of um her betrothal from joffrey so you know that is something and uh but according to Joffre, uh Dauntis, even that doesn't change much until you know at least until the wedding day when she can finally leave but um so you know she ended a clash of kings pretty much how she started it Yeah, Lannister. I mean, a prisoner to the Lannisters in the Red Keep. Which, you know, at the surface level is not great character development. But, you know, if you look deeper, she has become a stronger person. She's faced so many trials at the hands of Joff and Cersei. She's survived and grown and no longer the naive, innocent child from a Game of Thrones that we remember her as. So, you know, even though she's still under the thumb of the Lannisters, like she was in the first chapter of this book. It's, um, you know, she's less, she's less afraid. She's a little more cautious and calculating of her actions and words. She's, she stands up to Joff and Cersei a little more than she did back then. A little wiser, I guess.
1: Yeah. I I, I think that's all true. And I think, Actually, what has happened in this chapter, the, the ending of the betrothal, will help that as well, because then she, that's got to give her confidence. The fact that you always had that hanging over you yeah. must have been debilitating, you know, and to have that taken away, you've got to feel a little bit more optimistic about the future. But yeah, um, right. There's three ways you can help us. You could first... you could Go out and leave us a glowing review. There's no better advertising. We'd appreciate that. You could buy us buy some merch for yourself at ghostofharonhall.threadless.com or you can buy us a cup of Arbor Gold at buymeacoffee.com slash ghostharonhall. even become a sustainer there. Big thank you to those who already have.
0: That's right. And as always, you can reach us at ghost.haronhall at gmail.com. Go out and follow us on Twitter at ghostharonhall where I'm sharing all the uh, Ice and Fire Con news. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and, of course, please come join the conversation on Discord. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.